on this week's episode, what the upfronts tell us for CBS, deciding upon a modern remake for Mass Effect, and it's time for the list of our top 100 films to begin. All this and more on a Family Affair edition of The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. My fellow host and good friend Josh Peterson will be on the back end of the show as we start our countdown of the top 100 films, plus a couple extra, of the pop culture cosmos as voted upon by our listeners and followers. Plus Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com is back with her May TV update, including the fate of all your favorite CBS shows and some CW talk just before they decided to keep virtually every show and begin their seasons for the most part in January. But first up, it's brand new Danny, TJ Johnson, right here talking The Last of Us 2 controversy, Ghost of Shishima, and the Mass Effect trilogy redo that hopefully will be in our future, and we may even have an appearance by his son, who makes this possible, and he's not even a month old. So let's begin with TJ as he stops by right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, once again, I'm with TJ Johnson, senior of <laughs> I know. the Ground Podcast. You notice how I accentuated the senior. Yeah, man. Uh, welcome to old age. You got to go ahead and check out his podcast today, Voice from the Underground, the podcast with Big Haas and Jason Dutch. Three great guys going ahead and talking about pop culture, also talking sports, also talking cigars, politics, you name it, all in Voice from the Underground today. And you never know, I might show up again sometime soon. You never know. But my friend, there's still more to talk about when it comes to pop culture stuff. Because I know pop culture you love just as much as sports. How are you doing on pop culture? Are you catching up to date? I know some of the latest news that are out there, a lot, a lot of people are talking about is, well, for instance, Lin-Manuel Miranda's, the actual live presentation of Hamilton is actually coming way sooner. And we're not talking sooner. We're talking way sooner from its October 2021 release date. It's now being put onto Disney Plus in July, if yes. I'm not mistaken. That's my my daughter. She was doing flips around the house. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that, too. I've never I, I got to admit, though, I've never seen Hamilton. I've never seen it. I've never been one to experience it. But I have a friend who was actually set to be on stage on Broadway for Hamilton. And because obviously with COVID-19, she's not able, she wasn't able to do so, but that piqued my interest. And then hearing that they're actually going to bring it a whole lot sooner than what they were initially intending on. Now I'm excited. I I don't typically get excited for that type of stuff. I've never been, never been that guy. However, this one, I'm actually pretty excited for. I'm looking forward to this. As am I, my friend. I mean, this is something I wouldn't expect seeing. Well, actually I was going to see it with her in the theaters in October, but I wouldn't have expected seeing on Disney Plus until 2022. And to get it this much sooner, I think if it does well, which I know it will, because it's still the hottest ticket 
before the coronavirus out, out as far as uh, you know musicals and things of that nature anywhere it was being played all around the country. I expect a full-blown movie at some point down the line for Lin-Manuel if he wants to go ahead and do so, because I know Disney will fork over the dollars. Okay. I know they're trying to clear their debt, and I know they're trying to go ahead and pay back banks and do all the stuff you hear in the news right now, but you know what? I think Disney still has some cash for Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> I think they'll figure it out. They'll yes. figure it out. Yes, sir. So what you've been following in pop culture? I know you and I, before last time, before unfortunately your junior got involved, you were interested in talking about The Last of Us 2, the little bit of controversy there and how it's now coming out at the end of June due to the leaks and all that nature, which they're saying is not from an employee, but Josh and I are kind of not convinced that it isn't from an employee or at least an employee leaking that stuff out. Your thoughts on The Last of Us 2? I, I think that their plan is because it was on an indefinite hold and a definite delay before this happened. I think it, it was probably meant to go ahead. They said, you know what? This is such a great game. I think we're going to go ahead and delay it till the end of the year and just release it as a PlayStation 5 launch game. Mm. Now they're just now that those plans have been erased because they felt the need and pressured by the leaks and whatnot and the story spoilers being sent out there that they had to go ahead and release it out sooner rather than later, which what they were once going to do, mm. then they delayed it and then mm. they delayed it again. And I think mm. they delayed it another time, putting it on indefinite hold. And now they're finally doing it. But your thoughts on The Last of Us 2, this whole fiasco, which for Naughty Dog is something really unexpected. You know, Naughty Dog, for as great as they are, they've been having some they've been having some issues. You know, obviously we know about what will happen with Neil, Neil Druckmann and uh, Uncharted 4 and you Amy know, Henning and the whole Uncharted Amy, series. Amy Henning, exactly. You know, it hasn't been a good year. Uh, or has it been a good couple of years? I hear my I hear my little man now. Has it been a good couple of years for Naughty Dog? What I can say is that yes, they delayed this, they delayed this, and then they put on delay. I don't know what that reasoning for the indefinite delay was. Obviously, they keep saying they want to polish it. I don't know if it was a bit concerning the coronavirus and how it was starting to slow things down, and then people are going to have to figure out if they're going to get it digitally. They're not going to be able to get it physically. Everybody's not going to get a physical copy, so you're going to have some people that can't get the game, some people that can't get the game, which you're always going to have anyways. You're always going to have the half and a half knots. It's not something you're ever going to get away from. Here is the bottom line. I am so excited for The Last of Us. <laughs> I, I just... I can't. I can't help it. I can't help it. The first game is still from a, a an emotional story point standpoint. Gameplay wise, it obviously is aged, but from the emotional content that it gives you, is still one of my favorite games to this day. Just from that opening, just the opening 20, 50, 30 minutes, twenty opening fifteen minutes of that game, the way they're they're setting up this world building, it was just so exciting and it was so much uh, fun and so tense and 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 chewy oh it was it was incredible so i'm excited to get my hands on this game finally i, I actually i was uh excited when i realized it was going to be what june 17th that they actually have for the release date which is you know when they had on a definite hold i wasn't expecting it until like you mentioned holidays i wasn't expecting it to a ps5 and then when they came out said june 17th i got really excited because that's a lot sooner than obviously the holidays so i without a controversy around it i think there there are going to be times where you know, you always hear that news, um, you know, there's no such thing as bad press. 
when it comes to a game release, that might be true. When it comes to working for a company, that may not be true. But when it comes to actual game release, I, I, I think that's absolutely true. I don't think there's going to be anything for, anything bad press-wise that's going to stop this game from uh, being an absolute juggernaut as far as sales are concerned. I've already got it pre-ordered, so it's just a matter of as soon as I can press the button and start playing it, I'm going for it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still I'm still wired. I can't wait for this game. I, I'm excited for this game. I really am. I don't blame you because it is going to be another hit, I believe, for Naughty Dog. And but I think it does, you know, bring out the the issue that we've talked about on the show already, and that is crunch. The crunch yep. that the studios, Rockstar, Naughty Dog, even upper echelon studios like those, as it gets closer to the release date, them feeling the need to put the pressure on their employees to go ahead and work extended hours in order to try and go ahead and and bring this out as close to a finished product as possible, even though you and I know there's still going to be one to 100 updates that it's going to get in the course of its lifetime, more likely 100 these days. But yeah, it's just something that I think is it's more about the industry in itself and the way it needs to go ahead and plan things out better and restructure the way they do things, maybe even unionize to a point in, in that industry because it, some, some of these things are have to be dealt with at, at some point in time because even when upper echelon studios like Rockstar and Naughty Dog have these problems, mm-hmm. it seems to me like something needs to change. You know, I'm surprised that they haven't unionized as it is already. Like you said, with the the amount of crunch time and the whole crunch time culture that they have, um, you have some games or some development teams that have just stayed in crunch the entire time or they just always just run them to the ground. And, and, and it's sad. Um, it's sad from the standpoint of, you know, there are work conditions that people should not have to be subjected to. You know, obviously, 20-hour work days are not something you should be subjected to. 16, 17-hour work days are not something you should be con- should have to deal with on a consistent basis. And when you get into this crunch time culture that we have with video games, that's what goes on. So I'm actually shocked that they haven't unionized yet. I think it's just a matter of not if but when. And when it does happen, uh, I'm curious to see how the structure of game development changes uh, to accommodate that because the truth of the matter is, you know, it takes time to make these games. We've been hearing about Ghost of Tsushima for a couple, what was in the 2018, I want to say, maybe even 2017. That we you heard a long time ago. You're right. 2017, yeah. even I think 2016. And that got pushed back a month because yeah. of a lot of us too. Yep. So that got bumped to July. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's great. Uh, to so, me, these to me these are games that should just go on the launch title for PS5. It's so late in the in the cycle right now mm-hmm. that they should, if not, uh, they're going to have versions of this and the next generation versions of this, similar to what Xbox Series X is doing. I don't even know why you're kidding people. Now, just wait. These two titles would be so great as as launch titles for the PlayStation 5. I don't know why that they're not just do, going ahead and doing it. Bring on the summer's great. Obviously, you're excited for it, and that's going to be great for you as a gamer. But from a business sense, I just don't see why that they're releasing them so late in the life cycle and not just going ahead and say, you know what, we're going to re- release this simultaneously for both platforms and make it really exciting. Well, I think that I think to, to your point uh, from a business aspect, I think you can still do that. Granted, you're going to release this during the summer, but it's, it's very similar. And I know I, I typically like to make Game of Thrones references whenever I can, but it's very similar to Game of Thrones, right? We already knew that George R. R. Martin was not going to finish those books before the show ended. 
So what you can do, if I'm George R. R. Martin, I would have been very adamant that I'm not going to. And here's why you have my version. You have the, uh, you know, the quote unquote original version of what's supposed to happen with Game of Thrones. And then you have the TV version of what happens. So now you have the people who watch the TV version that say, well, now I'm curious as to how the book version is going to end. And then they're going to go buy the book. And then you have the people who are already book purists who are going to buy the book. So now you're getting in both crowds that way, right? So with the the imminent launch of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, you're going to have people that are going to get those games, those systems regardless. But the install base isn't going to be there. So I wouldn't necessarily make it a launch title for PS5 because the install base isn't going to be there, especially we don't know the kind of effect the coronavirus has had on the production. We hear that it's going to slow down, that it's slowed down. Uh, we hear that there's still going to be launch, but the, the chance of getting your hands on one are going to be very, very, very slim from what I understand, according to all the different GameStop reps that I've spoken to. So your install base is going to be potentially hit from it. I think that it's it, it makes perfect sense to go ahead and launch it as a PS4 title, but uh, still be a title that's going to be upgraded for the PS5, just like the Xbox Series X is going to do. And then you're going to have the people that are going to get that with the ability to see it that way and see it the way that they've already intended it with the PS4. So I know if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it for the PS4. And then when it's ready for the PS5, I'm going to get that too. Just like The Last of Us, it was on the PS3 and it, it pushed the PS3 past the points to no return. And then they re-released it for the PS4 and I got it again. It's not going to, when when you care about a title, when you care about a game, like the posters that you have behind you right now, both of those Mass Effect posters, when they ultimately release those HD remasters, I can assure you, I am the first in line to get it. It's No, no, no. I will be first in line. Jared, I'll fight you. I'm going to be the first in line to get it. But you'll probably beat me up. So yeah, I'll be second. I don't mean about I'm, I'm being facetious, but that's my point. Regardless of how many times I've given it, Final Fantasy VII, how many times did they release Final Fantasy VII? Multiple times on multiple platforms. Multiple platforms. And people continue to buy it. It's not the like remake, the remake was stupid. Now I'll get into that later. The remake was just insane. But people are going to continue to buy it. People, if the story is good and it and it has a, a, a hold on who you are as a gamer. Mass Effect for me was the pinnacle of me being uh, me as a gamer. I grew up with Mass Effect. So when that ultimately gets re-released, I am buying every one of those games. It's going to happen. EA has hinted that could possibly be. Yes, yes they uh, are. Electronic Arts has you know, said in a recent uh, stockholders meeting that they're going to release what, I think 10, 15, 20, up to 20, even maybe more titles during the next fiscal year. Mm -hmm. And they would go into more remakes. So obviously everybody was like thinking, doo, 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 you know, Mass Effect trilogy, something that they have been very hesitant in doing. Yeah. I think it would be great for them to do it because Bioware needs a shock in the arm mm -hmm. because their last two games have been really substandard. The Mass Effect franchise still, even with Andromeda's failure, still has a lot of love for it. And you yeah. like you said, just your excitement with mine just yeah. you know accentuates the fact that just getting that going could really kickstart the mass effect series once again so we could see more new adventures hopefully with shepherd or yep. something within the shepherd time frame yeah, as opposed yeah. to going to a galaxy far far away like they did with andromeda right no and i absolutely agree with that wholeheartedly and i think the what we also have to remember what this will do for bioware is yes it'll give them a shot in the arm Hey, Junior. 
He's got he's he's fiery boy. If you don't feed him every two hours, he is pissed off. Um, just like dad, just like dad. Yeah, just like that. So um, I think, like you mentioned, this is going to be a big shot in the arm for Bioware, and here's here's why. You know, as you mentioned, Andromeda wasn't it. Uh, obviously, Anthem wasn't it. Uh, Bioware's had some duds. I think it's going to be really important for them to kind of get back to their roots and see exactly what it is that made them special. Um, and I think it's going to be important for them to see that, but I think it's going to be even more important for the people that have kind of written Bioware off. You got to remember, I'm still talking about the Bioware that was Knights of the Old Republic. I'm talking about the Bioware, Knights of the Republic 1 and 2, Dragon Age, Dragon Age Origins. I'm talking about that Bioware. And people have forgotten exactly who that Bioware is. People have forgotten exactly how that Bioware gets down. And they need a reminder. They need to know that this Bioware was 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 legit. This Bioware was was the pinnacle of emotion in the game. This Bioware made you care about characters. The, there's nothing that's I shouldn't say there's nothing, but the 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 uh, Normandy is one of the most iconic ships in video game lore. I mean, it's 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 almost it's not as iconic as like a Master Sword. It's not as iconic as you know the Starship Enterprise. I Millennium get Falcon. Millennium Falcon. I understand that, but for me, that is an iconic ship. Like, I can see that ship right now and immediately be taken back to the first time I got the chance to see Joker piloting that thing. Um, it's just that kind of excitement. So that's the kind of Bioware that I know. That's the kind of Bioware that I I, I want people to know i don't want people to know andromeda bioware i don't want people to know anthem bioware that's not bioware that's ea and i i you know people don't want to say you know they they may not want to throw that dirt i'll throw that dirt that's not bioware that's ea i want those posters behind you that's the bioware i know that's the bioware i love and that's who they need to see that's the and that's what exactly gamers need right now and that's the bio that's for bioware that should be their future that they're hoping for whether or not it's Dragon Age or a new Mass Effect. But yes, it starts off hopefully with a Mass Effect trilogy. Yes. Well, once again, I'm talking to TJ Johnson, who is, while he's podcasting, <laughs> taking care of Junior, as we can hear right now. That's so awesome because new daddy, TJ Johnson Sr., is taking care of TJ Johnson Jr. as TJ Johnson Jr. is voicing his opinion right here on the show. So. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it sounds like you're really busy or you're getting to be really busy because the young man is up. Before we head on out, just want to go ahead and see if you can give a great pitch for your show, The Voice from the Underground. Man, great pitch for Voice from the Underground. If I need to still give a great pitch for Voice from the Underground, we are not doing something right. No, I'm I'm just joking. Uh, the nice thing about Voice from the Underground, the podcast, is it gives us an opportunity as just guys trying to understand this world, trying to understand what's going on, the ups, the downs, the positive, the negatives, and trying to just make sense of it all. We're not always successful, but we have a lot of fun. And there's a lot of heart and there's a lot of love amongst us all. So uh, that's always a very, very cool thing to be able to get out there and talk with those guys about pop culture, about social issues, about injustices, whatever really we want to talk about because... You know, it's our show. We can kind of do that. So uh, we always have a great time. Uh, we kind of record whenever we record, <laughs> at least once a week. But, you know, I'd say, yeah, it'll be a new episode on Monday, but it might be Thursday. I don't know. We just enjoy each other's company and have fun doing it, man. <laughs> always seems to be up to Dutch on that one. Yeah, well, up to Dutch. And, you know, it's kind of my fault, too. So I can't I can't put it all on Dutch. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets grouchy. I don't mind him. 
Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> he, he just loves any opportunity to get onto his soapbox. That's all. Yes, he does. Before you let me go, I need to know your thoughts on a couple more things. Sure. Capcom and their re-releases. Now that we, we talked about Mass Effect, right? We talked about how great it would be for us as fans to get that re-release, right? Do you think they need to take a page out of Capcom's book and rebuild it from the ground up? Like what what would make a Mass Effect release Capcom-ish or, or what's 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 Capcom's formula and how does Mass Effect need to apply that formula to their game? Oh, they need to modernize it. That's for sure because yeah. our darn kids don't know anything about the games we used to play back in 2007. But in all reality, what I'm saying is, is that the kids today, the Fortnite lovers and things of that nature, they yeah, they would never get into sitting in an elevator for three hours, you know, as you're going up on the elevator for Mass Effect or the gameplay. And they would look at you and go like, you actually like this game? But yes, they would actually have to modernize it, I think, to get the best out of it. I mean, you and I could go into a prettier version and remade version of Mass Effect trilogy right now and still play it and love it. Yes. Yeah, uh, and that's no problem with us. But in order to really be successful, they do need to take a page out of what Capcom has done right with their remakes mm -hmm. and actually modernize the gameplay. We see that as well from the Final Fantasy VII remake, where yes. it's been modernized for today's audience, whether it's a short attention span or whatever you want to throw out. It's a different style of gaming from what 2007 was. Let's just put it right there. And when Mass Effect 2 came out, it's just different. So what you got to do is go ahead and make it palpable not only for our audience but make it for their audience the now because the reason is you're wanting the end goal is if you release a new mass effect making it approachable for all audiences and if you want to use this trilogy as a litmus test you have to go ahead and follow the capcom formula that they've done so well so far with the resident evil re-releases that have been truly just appreciated by all gamers both young and old mm -hmm. definitely now, in doing that, now I'm glad you brought that up because that, that was my first thought too. Just got to modernize it. But then you go back to a game like effectively as Mass Effect 1, right? And let's just be honest, that was from a gameplay perspective, it was probably this, it was the slowest of the, the group. But there's a certain charm that comes from that first Mass Effect, from understanding that that was when they were trying to build a galaxy that could just be vastly explored and it wasn't so singularly focused on the reapers which they come to to be in two and obviously three more so than any of them modernizing one to make it more combat friendly or make it more approachable which is probably going to mean that the rpg elements are going to be slimmed down to bare bare minimum and they're going to speed everything up from a standpoint of action. Everything's going to be much more action heavy. Everything's going to be much more gun heavy, so on and so forth. So they're kind of going to, quote unquote, EA it. And that's what I'm scared of. Well, I want them to modernize and I want them to make it more approachable. The truth of the matter is making it more approachable for everybody is going to really turn into Mass Effect 3. They're going to take Mass Effect 1 and make it Mass Effect 3. And then it's going to be too approachable, but it's going to take away from everything that made Mass Effect so iconic. The gameplay at times, especially in the, the Mako, yeah. that was rough. That was some rough stuff. I didn't think the Mako was that bad, but I, I hear you. I hear you. I get you. I understand. 
Let me go back and forth and shoot back and forth. That's and shoot a, there's a song. There's a song called Back and Forth it's by Cameo. Look it up, man. It's a good song. I know. Well, I'm going to be sure next time I play that on a, on a run through on, on one of the old versions. I'm going to do that. Back and forth and shoot and back and forth. Those will not age well at all unless you do something to modernize it. Yeah, very, very true. Very true. All right. One final question for you. Okay. I found a site and I'm 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 drawing a blank on it. I feel really bad, but I've been able to find almost every old game computer wise ever played in my life. I'm talking about like Epic Pinball that will you play on MS DOS. Talking like the original Doom, the freeware version of Doom, Doom 2, Doom 3. I'm talking like Jazz Jackrabbit. You remember Jazz Jackrabbit? I do. That was wild, man. But Doom, so I, especially for me, is is a real big trip because I've I you know I had so many I have so many great memories from that game, especially. Okay. All right. So uh, it's it's not just me. It's not just me. It's, it it was exciting. It was exciting to be able to see that I literally lost like three hours on my computer playing games. That as my daughter comes up, and she's like, "What is that, honey? It's okay. You don't. <laughs> this is way before." Way before your time, kid. You're not okay. Gonna... Well, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like main games or something, but it sounds like you can actually play it off the site. So you gotta you gotta let me know what that is, because I'd love to get a chance to take a look at it. In fact, you know, speaking of video games, you're on my social media for the 10 days 10 box arts, which I just oh covered recently. God. I made you an honoree, my friend. So you, you gotta torture 10 other gamers out there. So that's your <laughs> turn to go ahead and do that. But yes, the games that meant so much to you in your life. Oh, to do that soon, 10 days and 10 box arts. But I will tell you this, my friend, I'm just so happy for you and your family. Obviously, bringing TJ Jr. to this world, not under the best of circumstances, but he's safe. He sounds very healthy. You know what? I cannot thank you enough for spending some time with me. I know you're extremely busy doing all the things that you're doing, but I'm looking forward to speaking to you again, whether it's on the Lakers, NBA, or if you have time to talk some pop culture, you know you're always... We haven't even gone into Marvel movies, and that would take another hour. <laughs> yes, it would. I've got some things to say about those movies, too, so we're doing this again. <laughs> we are doing this again real soon. I'm, I'm yes. so thankful and so so happy for you. Again, my thoughts are with you, your family. Just stay blessed, stay healthy, and... Try to stay out of Jason Dutch's hair, please. Whatever he has left. <laughs> hey, I made no promise about that. That's what keeps my world going around right there, buddy. All right. Well, there you go. Once again, it's TJ Johnson from Voice from the Underground and also a great part still of the Lakers Fast Break podcast and right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? video game box art the stories behind the covers in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images don't forget to check out video game box art the stories behind the covers celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them this and many more from rob mccallum films <laughs> we are back once again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. It is time for a TV update because you need a TV update in your life right about now. And here to provide that TV update is our good friend, 
I know her as Jessica Boggs, but you know her as the awesome reporter slash columnist slash podcaster for the TVRatingsGuide.com. It is my good friend, Jessica Boggs. And Jessica, thanks for your patience with my computer. Just doing 5,000 Windows updates. But so glad to have you here for this month. Good to be back. And it's upfronts time. It is upfronts time. So I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on first with CBS. First, we are going to start with the CBS pickup orders. Here we go. They ordered B positive and B positive was ordered to series. Oh, yeah. B positive was ordered to series. Also, as well, a show from Queen Latifah. The Equalizer was also a show that was ordered to series. There were about five total that were ordered to series. So that's not a huge number. And some of the shows that got renewed, I think, what the NCIS shows, of course, all three of them, FBI shows, all three of them. I mean, it just seems like the, the whole gambit of most of their programming got renewed. I mean, you have a lot of shows that they consistently rely on year in, year out. And for them, it's worked. Even at points in time, they have been the number one network on television. So you can't argue with success no matter how much you and I don't like the actual shows content-wise. Yeah. They're still apparently number one in total viewers at the moment. What are they in in relation to 18 to 49, which is the all-together demo, which you know seemingly the television world seems to stand behind? There's still a competition between... It, Fox, and NBC. Okay. So total viewers they've got, which is not surprising because they do skew older, I'm going to be honest with you, than any of the other networks. But from 18 to 49, that's the all-elusive demo that I think everybody wants the most because of advertising. That's what really dictates the advertising dollars and how much they can charge to advertisers. So... When you see the ratings that are out there or stories or articles out there on the ratings, like, for instance, at the com, or if you see one of our articles that we post here at Pop Culture Cosmos, the key demo is 18 to 49 just simply because that's what's really driving uh, these, uh, these television shows forward. Or in this case, they use uh, 2554 for CBS. Okay. Because like, like I said, they skew a little older than most of the networks. But 18 to 49 is what I see most demos on. And I think that's uh, because, you know, those are the ones that have the most spending power as far as cash is concerned. So money dictates all, my friend. The three shows that were ordered a series were Be Positive, Claris, and The Equalizer. It's Clarice. Clarice. Okay. From the Silence of the Lambs. It's based off the Silence of the Lambs novels and movies from the 90s. So they are basing a character off, uh, you know, they are basing it off the FBI uh, character, Clarice. I don't know if it's going to focus on any things that were seen in Silence of the Lambs uh, outside of just the characters themselves. And the main character, obviously the one played by Anthony Hopkins, I'm not sure if they're going to bring his character into the mold. I would assume as such at some point in time. I don't know if it's going to be a consistent theme throughout because they kind of like to do that stuff now these days on TV. So that's, that could be very interesting. But yeah, just uh, not a lot of shows that were, were 
picked up by CBS, which isn't surprising. They like to lean heavily on a lot of their series, and this just wasn't a surprise because it just seems like steady is the norm for Viacom at CBS. Yeah, and I think also it has a lot to do with what the heck is going on right now with the pandemic, which is probably why they renewed like most of the shows because you don't know whether they're going to come back to production or not. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that's something that you wanted to talk about is general theories of production moving forward. It depends on the area. It depends on the, you know, where they're being filmed at. Like right now in Georgia, since Georgia is opening up in a lot of places, they're, the shows that are there, I mean, for instance, The Walking Dead, they're more apt to start sooner rather than later on their production because their areas have opened up first ahead of others. Let's say, like, for instance, California, which is holding back even more, which could really do inflict even more damage on the production for some of these shows. But then again, if it's being taking place all anywhere in the world, there's it's, again, depending on the spot. Like, for instance, I hear New Zealand is already opening up so avatar movies and also the lord of the rings amazon tv show that is going to be or if not already under underway on production so yeah it depends on the area where it's it's at and and if it's been lifted but yeah it, at least we're seeing some type of production going forward yeah we're also seeing zoom productions which i didn't know how that worked at first but that is coming up. Well, that's with... been something that's taken place over the past few weeks. Like with Saturday Night Live, you've seen the, the Zoom presentations. Some of the table reads, like for instance, Parks and Recreation recently did one. It's, it you know, if you love your Zoom conferences, you're going to get your feel. Yeah, and Fox's recent renewals with Duncanville, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy, and they are heavily ramping up on animation as we speak. And so that's with Fox. And it's something that they've relied on, like you said, is the animation. They just recently renewed Bob's Burgers, correct? Oh, yeah. And Family Guy. Okay. Uh, yeah, those are well into their next decade of years. So, yeah, they were probably just somewhat smart renewals there. But leaning on animation for the most part has worked for Fox. Yeah. When they're football inflated at the moment. So they released the Fox schedule for this fall. And most of the regular shows are not going to be airing until at least mid season. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you should see some delays in a lot of productions for a lot of shows, uh, which is going to be unfortunate for viewers, but it's just a necessity of what's gone on with the coronavirus. Yes. Well, they have like APM, LA's Finest, making its Fox debut. You have previously announced for this season, for the 1920 season, but push to fall for the 2021 season next. And then you have filthy rich at like 9 PM on Tuesday. So this was like the previous 
shows that were supposedly announced for the 1920 season. And they got pushed to fall because of the pandemic. That's something that is not going to be unexpected. And you're going to hear a lot of that moving forward. And there's going to be more announcements like that. Yeah, just people are going to have to get used to it, at least for now and the foreseeable future. I don't think anything will really get back underway until next year, next season, 2021. That's probably when we're going to see somewhat of a normalcy of the schedule between all these networks. Do you concur or see something sooner or later? Well, there has been some talk about starting the season in January if I'm not mistaken. So it could return like mid-season. Mid-season is going to be pretty much affected in possibly the fall of 2021 is going to be heavily affected until normalcy returns. So and we'll see. So we'll see indeed. I, I, it's just something to think about going forward that people are going to have to you know, at least bear with them while they go ahead and produce a competent schedules going forward. And that's going to take a little bit longer than expected. So you won't be seeing them in August, September, and October. You'll be seeing them, like you said, December at the earliest, maybe January, February. You're going to see stuff like that come out then. And it's going to be something that you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for. But again, be reasonable and understandable at this point in time. So what do we've got going on next as far as maybe CW? Let's go to your favorite planet of the world of television, CW. And what are they up to at this point in time? Because, you know, they're liable to do some anything when concerning them at the CW. Well, we all know about the renewals and the straight-to-series orders from earlier in the year. But they just added two more pilots to series. One is the Republic of Sarah, and the other one is Kung Fu. But one of the bigger news is the Lost Boys and Maverick have both been pushed to next pilot cycle. And I'm assuming that is because of the pandemic. They've already renewed all of their shows minus Katie Keen. And so, so there was just one cancellation, correct, from the CW officially? No official cancellations, but... Or did they just put it on hiatus? They still haven't decided its okay. fate yet. Okay. okay. So I am pretty... I'm still leaning towards renewal pretty much because it's the CW, but you never know. You never know indeed. Once again, I'm speaking to Jessica Box. She is from thetvratingsguide.com. You got to check out what she's doing today there with all of her articles, reviews, renew, cancel indexes. And of course, you got to go ahead and check out her original shows that she writes right there at the TVRatingsGuide.com. So tell me what else is going on in the world of television. Oh, well, the updates on WWE still not doing as well, but it was up from last week. Well, that was an all-time low for them. Uh, it's now the reality is under 2 million viewers at this point in time, which is really not a good sign overall. Yeah, last week's demos for Raw, they were not pretty. But, but they were up a tenth from last week. 
for this week? They were up a little bit, a lot of it based off the Becky Lynch announcement uh, that relinquishing her title due to pregnancy uh, and actually making it uh, the world championship that she has, the Raw Women's Championship. It was actually won in the course of the Money in the Bank match with Asuka uh, winning, uh, who was an excellent choice, I think, because she's an outstanding wrestler. But that being aside, right now what they're doing for the most part, it's just not working SmackDown and Raw are under 2 million viewers. And I think it's just something that the fans are not just, they've grown weary of seeing the empty arenas. I think it's just, I know it has something to do with it, which doesn't bode well for the future for all these other sports because they're all going to be playing in empty arenas, empty stadiums, empty racetracks. I mean, it, first it'll be a novelty to watch it, but whether they can consistently keep viewers, that's going to be the case because, like I said, for AEW and WWE, even though AEW and Raw, like you said, have gone up back up a little bit, but they fluctuate, their numbers overall from the time of the beginning of the pandemic have gone lower on both accounts. That's correct. And while states are reopening, including Florida, for example, there has been some damage. Some states are still not even open when it comes to arenas. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you won't see arenas filled with people or fans watching, uh, you know, for any amount of time until at least 2021 at the earliest, unless a vaccine can miraculously be created and developed and mass produced in any serious quantities before the end of the year, I don't see anything materializing on sports allowing crowds until 2021 at the earliest. And that's going to be something, like I said, it's just the vim, the image, the view. What can you do to keep it exciting, even though you don't have the roar of the crowds? And, and to me, I think it's something that WWE and AEW have not, for the most part, figured out yet. I mean, you can only have so many empty arena matches, so many types of matches that they're having now, and just... It just seems like there is something missing more than just the crowded. And then also the fact that they, nine of them at this point don't have that marquee character. This is something I've talked about with no Ian Fine, who's also speaking to me lately about the WWE. And that's, they just don't have that marquee character, that, that Steve Austin, that rock, that, that charismatic character that people seem to rally behind. And why you don't have that in the industry as a whole the industry is going to suffer. It's just waiting. It just seems like there's a waiting period right now for that type of superstar character to hit the scene for one of these professional companies to to get off the ground. And the networks that they're airing on are probably likely operating on a loss right now because of the empty arenas. I mean, they should have had a pandemic type thing where they'll produce like specials and stuff that would fill up time before the live shows return. But overall, I think this is a mess for wrestling in general, as far as the ratings goes. In general, I agree with you. It's just something that they felt they had to do. And unfortunately with WWE's contract, and we discussed this last time, WWE basically has to produce X amount of live television each and every week. If they don't, they're paying back money to those networks, be it USA or Fox. And possibly they're, Fox Sports 1 with yeah. the after show. 
That's correct. And then Fox Sports 1 with any of the other content and whatnot. They have to produce so much live content or they pay money back. And right now, they're not in the best position to pay money back. So they have to go ahead and produce live content. Yeah. And once again, we have Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great stuff that she's doing today at the TVRatingsGuide.com. Well, my friend, it's been a very informative episode. I know you're coming back later this month to update what's going on with NBC and ABC. But what exactly do you have right now for the readers at the TVRatingsGuide.com? Well, we are providing minute-to-minute updates of the upfronts coverage, whether there is pilot pickups or pilot passings and whatnot. We also have original shows. We also have editorial columns. And we are also on Renew Cancel updates. And you got to check it out today at the TVRainsGuide.com. Well, my friend, it's been awesome talking to you once again. Cannot wait to hear your next update coming later this month. Coming up right here. Oh, she did such a great job today. She gets some love from mom right there for you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, Jessica, you did such an outstanding job today, and we're looking forward to hearing more later this month on NBC and ABC right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. My friend, before we head on out, we gotta go ahead and hit finally the choices for the people out there on their top 10 list have all been compiled and we now have a Pop Culture Cosmos top 100 movie list to start. So normally I would tell you we're gonna start with 90 to 100, but there was actually a tie for 100. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit more of that. So let's say it's 104. And we're going to start with Duel, which was one of the first features made by Steven Spielberg, starring Dennis Weaver. Basically, Duel is a suspense thriller where it's a uh, you know gentleman who's just driving, driving on the highway, uh, gets basically harassed and threatened by and truck that you never really see the driver for. So it's this very suspenseful thriller. You gotta take it in the context of when it was made. So it is Duel. It is one of Steven Spielberg's first movies and that is at 104. 103 is Full Metal Jacket, Sean Penn, Michael J. Fox. Very underrated movie. Something that is still kind of forgotten in today's age compared to what we thought of at that point in time when the platoons and other movies of that nature that covered the Vietnam War or those yeah. type of wars. So your thoughts on Full Metal Jacket real quick? It's not a typical war film. Like I went into it expecting it to be, you know, it's more of a psychological thing than your average war genre film. It is a little bit different than your average war film, but check it out today. Hopefully you get a chance to. It is Full Metal Jacket, and that's also tied on our list right at 103. 102 is Karate Kid. The Karate Kid, very famous Ralph Macchio film, Pat Morita, 
Obviously, I like more today as far as Cobra Kai, the series that has been splintered off so many years later. I enjoy the heck out of that show because it takes what happened in that movie and it's just branched it out even more. But your thoughts on The Karate Kid? I've only seen it once. It is good. Uh, I thought it was a little cheesy at the time, even in the 80s. And you see it now. It, It exudes even more cheese, but... It is the Karate Kid, and it holds a special place in uh, a lot of people's hearts. And that is also on our list in the, well, it's tied for 100, for lack of a better term. Right after that is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, one of the more underrated films for Robert Downey Jr. Your thoughts on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Love, love, love this movie. Oh, it is Wow, I don't even like. I like it. It reminds me so much of like the crime, the Guy Ritchie crime capers that I love so much. But it puts like this really not a twist, but it's like it's funny. You know, it's it's all it's more comedic than it is dark. It's just there's so many like things in there that are, are so shocking, and just the way that Robert Downey Jr. is able to play that awkward criminal. Like this was what made me a Robert Downey Jr. fan. Like I hadn't seen a lot of stuff that he'd been in before this movie. And this kind of like made me want to go back and watch some of his other films. I really enjoy this movie. Val Kilmer is amazing. Shane Black does a great job of doing the director duties. And this is kind of what I was expecting from Iron Man 3. Like a lot of people didn't like Iron Man 3. But like, you know, after a few views of it, like I did start to like it more and more because I started to look at it not as a superhero film, but more as like a kiss, kiss, bang, bang spiritual successor. Yeah, I I really like this movie. So at number 100 is Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. What can I say that we haven't said before about the Lord of the Rings series? And for me, it started with Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, as far as my love for it. I hadn't gone in reading the books or whatnot. I just thought thought it was a cool adventure, so I sat down and watched it and absolutely loved it. My wife and I have named two daughters after some of the characters within the framework of the series of films, so... We've gone on it at Endless, and we'll go on it continuously more, especially as it gets close to the Amazon series. So, yeah, that's our number 100 slot, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Coming up at 99 is Portrait of a Lady on Fire, a movie that was kind of recently released. It's been a movie that has also done very well on DVD and also Blu-ray release uh, as well in recent weeks. So it's a movie that has really garnered a lot of acclaim and probably will end up being one of the best movies of the year. So kind of a surprise that it's such a brand new movie has been put on this kind of pedestal, but it is something that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. It's getting a lot of acclaim from critics and also fans alike that have been able to see it, which has kind of been splintered because of the coronavirus. So Portrait of a Lady on Fire is at our number 99. Number 98 is The Late Prince's masterpiece, Purple Rain. People don't really think of the movie as much as they think of the soundtrack, which the soundtrack is incredible. So your thoughts on Purple Rain? The movie is just another one of those movies that you see once. You're like, okay, but the soundtrack does live forever. It is kind of immortal. I remember I went to the Pop Culture Museum in Seattle last year, and they have a whole section dedicated to Prince and Purple Rain. There's costumes from the film. There's costumes from his music videos. They have the soundtrack playing. It is iconic. You know, whether or not you are a Prince fan, it is iconic and it does define an era of music. And Purple Rain is just a, it it is 
people will remember Purple Rain in the same way they remember the Michael Jackson music video with all the zombies dancing. And that's number 98. That is Purple Rain. Number 97 is Raging Bull with Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese. This was uh, truly a fantastic film. One of the best movies of all time as far as from a critical standpoint. Some of the cinematography, especially the fighting scenes, were truly realistic. And we'll tell you right now, it's one of Robert De Niro's best performances. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is a movie I, I think I watched. I remember watching this one with my dad, like, and he was more impressed with it at the time than I was. Like, I was not, a, like, a huge film buff when I first saw this movie, and I didn't really care that much. But now that I look back on it, it kind of has the same, like, awe factor as Taxi Driver did. Like, it is a great film. It is, and Robert De Niro, like, his his earlier films are just, like, they are so good i just and my fear is that people wouldn't be able to appreciate them today as much as people who grew up in that era of film do number 96 is a film that josh has spoken about many times that he is very familiar with and that's snatch so we actually just watched this movie earlier this week it is so good it still holds up there's like a uh, not a remaster but where they go back and redo the colors there's a lot of different versions of the film it's a 90s film through and through, but it, it does stand the testament of time. Like, it is so good. The dialogue is so well written. Jason Statham is amazing. It's got the editing. is re- It's just the, those quick Guy Ritchie cuts. Like, it is so good. Not something I'd recommend you watching with your parents, but definitely a great, great film. Number 95 is one of the classic movies of all time and probably the, one of the main reasons why we are sitting here today talking about pop culture and that is Star Wars. Kind of a surprise that it's so high up on the list as far as 95. I thought it would be a lot lower in the top 50, but yeah, it's sitting at number 95, Star Wars. Is this a new hope? This is a new hope. Let me just tell you, like the first time that I saw Star Wars, my cousin showed it to me, and like I just remember being enamored with it. I borrowed the trilogy from him, and I watched those movies over and over and over again i probably watched all three movies at least once every day that week like i was just i could not get enough of star wars and a new hope is just it's a fantastic movie like i I still don't understand when people say i've never seen star wars i don't understand how that happens coming up at 94 is the deer hunter considered by many to be one of the best movies of the 1970s with michael cimino directing robert de niro christopher walken I know it's a movie that not a lot of people that weren't around then have not seen since. It has not traveled as well as far as being a popular movie because it doesn't get played on a lot of platforms, but it's still one of the best movies that came out during the 1970s. This is one I, I, another one I saw as a kid. I don't remember much of it. I just remember hearing the title a lot. But yeah, it, maybe it's something I need to go back and watch. Number 93 is the Grand Budapest Hotel from Wes Anderson, considered by many to be one of his best efforts, although he has a lot of great films under his belt. So the Grand Budapest Hotel, a lot of craziness ensues. Uh, I just, To me, I thought it was a very funny and amusing film. What are your thoughts on the Grand Budapest Hotel? It's a very niche film. Like He's a very niche filmmaker, and his stuff is amazing. Like I, I, I love it. I, I saw uh, what, Isle of Dogs. Like That one was really good. Yes. He's one of those filmmakers that like people don't appreciate as much just because his films aren't really in the, the big spotlight a lot. Like it's something that 
if you're an indie film lover, you like you do, you're like, oh, Wes Anderson has a new film coming out. But you know, I, I really wish that he would get the acclaim he deserves because he is a a very brilliant filmmaker, and that is a very good movie. And you see a lot of the actors that he has in the same films uh, consistently wanting to work with him as well because they just love his work. Uh, as like you said, there's a select audience that truly will follow his work, and and the Grand Budapest Hotel is definitely one of his better films. Number 92 is The Usual Suspects, and at the time it came out, a lot of controversy, a lot of interest in it because of the controversial ending, the surprise ending of Kaiser Soze and all that. Your thoughts on The Usual Suspects? I saw it. I thought it was pretty good. I love the twist at the end with Kaiser Soze, but it hasn't stayed with me as far as something that was so monumental at that point in time when it came out. It's a movie I've always been curious about, and I've wanted to. I got friends who love it, but it's something that I've never actually sat down to watch it because by the time I was, you know, in the mood to or in a place where I could watch something like that, I forgot about it. And that was number 92 with The Usual Suspects. Number 91 is Thor Ragnarok, and you and I have obviously spoken at length about Thor Ragnarok being a funny and entertaining film that is that reignited. Thor, his character, and turned him from one of those boring and drab and most, you know, one of the most cardboard of the heroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to one of the more interesting and more amusing. And it really took Chris Hemsworth's comedic talents, which I speak so highly of, which has not been showcased very well outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It really took that side of him and really made it worth watching. And credit goes to Taika Waititi and obviously you've seen the success for him since that movie. Yeah, I agree. Great film. I got a review of it up on our website here so you can go check that out. But yeah, it kind of like it brought a new dimension to Thor. I don't know if I necessarily liked the new direction of Thor, like the comedic thing of it. I Looking back, I do like it now after seeing how it all came full circle. But yeah, great film. Don't expect it to be anything like the comic book because it's not, but definitely worth watching. And that was at number 91, and coming up at number 90 is Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy. Uh, that was a film that came out, a lot of interest in it, a lot of intrigue, one of those political spy thrillers. That, your thoughts on Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy? This was one that my brother actually told me about, and like I, you know, I had heard about it, but I hadn't sat down to watch it. So sitting down to watch it, it was really great. You know, it's, it's a very dark film. During the Cold Wars of the 1970s. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, I mean, and that's just the the era that it was made in. But it is entertaining, but it's not like a lighthearted film at all. And I, I, I liked it. The acting is really good. The story is really well done. It's, it is worthy of the, uh, you know, awards and the, all the considerations that it's gotten. And it has a stellar cast, which Gary Oldman, Benedict Cumberbatch, Colin Firth. The list goes on and on. It's a great film that I think people need to go ahead and check out. And that is Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy is at number 90. Stay tuned for our list as we go on each week and count down another 10 in our top 100 movies of all time, either the PCC Multiverse or Pop Culture Cosmos. So stay tuned to that as we continue to break down our list of the top 100 movies as decided by our fans from the Pop Culture Cosmos. And also stay tuned for the written versions as well coming up soon on PopCultureCosmos.com. Thanks so much to Jessica Bonks her mom, T.J. Johnson Sr. and Jr. for being on the program today. And we look forward to updating you with more on the latest news and trends in pop culture coming up on the Friday show, The PCC Multiverse. 
So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great